thing for Caleb. Uh, next Sunday is going to be Caleb's last Sunday with us. Perfect timing to come seeking in. Um, so he's, uh, he's got plans to, to get some, some more training and ministry opportunities, and so you can talk to him about what that's going to look like. And so we're going to miss him, but uh, appreciate his ministry over the last, he's been here like two and a half years. I mean, so now we've known Caleb since he was, you know, knee high or grasshopper, you know. And uh, so it's been, been fun to watch him grow, see what God's doing in his life. Uh, just be praying for us as we uh, search out for another um, music resident. That process is, uh, actually, it's actually international. Uh, I had somebody apply from Africa. So he also had an uncle who knew a king who said if I gave him my... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, just kidding. No, but it was somebody from Africa applied. Uh, we couldn't handle the travel expenses to get, <laughs> to get him over here. But um, no, I'll be praying for that as we, uh, as, so God will provide us with the right guy. And we're excited. Uh, you know, la- like I said, last year, 20 people came to know the Lord last year. Um, and then, yeah, and then uh, Jennifer and Aaron got us kicked off for 2020. And so it's just neat to see what God's doing in our church uh, as he continues to see people come to Christ and uh, we're able to, to walk through that with them. It's, ex- it's exciting and uh, appreciate what God's doing. So be praying with us that, we, um, that he provides the right guy for us and pray for Caleb as he takes off again. He'll be here next, year, uh, next week, so uh, we'll have one more chance to cry and hug him and stuff like that. So let your conscience be your guide, or maybe a way that we say it today is follow your heart. Right? Napoleon Dynamite, you know, he's, he's all about it. You need to follow your heart. And when we think about that saying, we think uh, people are like, well, do I take this job or some other job? And people say, hey, man, just follow your heart. Or, you know, do I get into a relationship with this person or do I marry this person? And people will say, hey, just, just follow your heart. Looking for a job or uh, looking for um, a house to buy or you know, whatever the decision is. A lot of people just say, hey, listen, follow your heart. The question is, should we follow our hearts? Is the heart a good barometer, a good measuring stick uh, for us to make decisions, to live life by? It sounds good, right? It's kind of warm and fuzzy and sensitive and even maybe deep, you know, I'm going to follow my heart. But is it, is it good for us to do that? Well, we're going to look at that question today, find out from God's Word what He says about that. You can go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. It's an Old Testament prophet, and we don't really spend a whole lot of time in Jeremiah, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a brief history to get us caught up to what's going on in Jeremiah's day, but it's going to be Jeremiah 17. It's page 772 if you're using the Bible there in a chair. Uh, to get what's going on in Jeremiah's day, we have to go 800 years prior to his day. We're going to go back all the way to Exodus chapter 19. And in Exodus chapter 19, God has just rescued Israel from Egypt. He's taken them out of slavery. Moses is, is the, the guy who did that. Got to work through him. And so they, they get to what they call Mount Sinai, this, this mountain. And God says to them, so again, this is after he's rescued them. He says to them, 
I uh, will be your personal God. I will enter into a personal relationship with you if you would like me to. And if you want to be in this relationship with me, here's my promise to you. If you do life the way I say to do it, then I promise I will protect you, I'll provide for you, and I'll fight for you. Now, you've just seen what he can do, right? And so Israel says, yes, we, we want you to be our God. But remember, the stipulation is you, you, you willingly enter this relationship with me. That's the first step. So by faith into a relationship with God, then God says, okay, once we're in this relationship, then you need to do life my way. God doesn't do that. He doesn't do it for us either because he's mean or he's harsh or he likes to uh, make life difficult. He has some sort of fun thing where he puts people into bad situations and watches them squirm. He's not doing that for that reason. He does that because he's the one who created life. He's the one who created us. And he's the one who knows how life should be lived in order for us to experience all that he wants us to experience, all the good he wants to put into our lives, all the uh, blessings that he wants to put into our lives and what the real purpose for life is. And so, if they were to say yes and do life his way, then he's going to provide, protect, and fight for them. If they said yes, and then they said, hmm, you know, I think I want to do life my way. I think I know better than God how life's supposed to be. He told them at that point in Exodus that I will discipline you like any good father would, right? Kid going off track, you want to make sure the kid gets back on track, you're going to do whatever it takes to get him back on track, right? So he's going to do that for the nation of Israel, and he'll do that by letting them feel the pain of doing life their way, which causes issues when we do life our way. We all, I think, know that, right? And if it gets too bad, what he's going to do, he's going to use the nations around them to, to try to get their attention. And ultimately, he said, if you don't get back, if you don't repent and come back to me, I'm actually to remove you from this land that I've promised you. And so, as they go into the land, Deuteronomy 28 tells us that Moses reminds them of this covenant, as we call it, this relationship that God establishes with Israel based on their faith. And he reminds them, hey, just as we enter the land, don't forget that if, for, us to do, for us to be blessed by God, to be provided by Him, protected by Him, Him fighting for us, we just need to do life His way. It's interesting, uh, as you read through the Old Testament, you'll find all the prophets go back to this. All the writers, not even the prophets, just all the writers of the Old Testament, they'll go back to this Deuteronomy chapter 28 and continue to remind Israel of what God's promise was to them as their personal God, as they being in relationship with Him, that, hey, you do life His way, He's going to provide and protect and fight for you. Because here's the truth. God loves Israel, and he, he loves us. He loves them, and He loves us too much to allow us to hurt ourselves. And when we decide to do life our way, we experience things that are, that are going to hurt us. And so He's going to do what He can, and, and oftentimes it's really His discipline is really us experiencing, Israel experiencing, the natural consequences of decisions that we make and that they made in order to get their attention, for them to go, oh man, this isn't working. I'm going to go look back to God and get God's help. 
Judges tells us that almost as soon as they get into the land, really, when they, even when they got into the land, so Moses dies, Joshua takes the leadership, Joshua goes into the land, and they don't quite do everything God said to do. They don't take over all the land that they were supposed to. They let some of the nations kind of hang out. And then Joshua dies, and Judges, the author of Judges tells us this. He says, all that generation, talking about Joshua's generation, also were gathered to their fathers. In other words, they died. It's just a nicer way of saying it. Um, and those, there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. That's the, the false gods of the nations around them. And they forsook the Lord. In other words, they rejected the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. Any parent ever get angry with the kid for disobeying? Okay, so we understand what God's doing there, right? You know, God's like, hey, you know, I meant it good for you and you're not listening to me. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Asheroth. In uh, chapter 17, the author simply puts it this way as kind of a summary. In those days there was no king in Israel because God was supposed to be the one leading them. And every man did what was right in his own eyes. So Israel chose to let their conscience be their guide. Israel chose to follow their heart rather than follow after God. And they experienced the discipline of God. Israel seemed to always struggle. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, Israel continually struggled and sometimes they saw God's blessing, like when King David and King Solomon were reigning in Israel. I mean, God was blessing them because for the most part they were doing life God's way. And God was showing them, hey, listen, you do it my way, look at all these blessings. And then after Solomon dies, the, the, there's a, a division that happens within the, the nation. And so there's a, the ten tribes stays named Israel. Um, they're up in the north, the northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom was Judah, and there's only two tribes that stuck together down there. And they, so they're doing like their way. There's, there's division. So we jump ahead now to Jeremiah's day. And 150 years after the northern kingdom is taken into the captivity, so in other words, the northern kingdom continued to do life their way, and God said, okay, finally, you know, I told you way back in Exodus and in Deuteronomy that if you don't do it, I'm going to, Remove you from the land, this blessing that I've given you, until you remember me, until you call out to me and choose to come back and worship me. So 150 years or before Jeremiah, that happens to the northern kingdom. And so now God sends Jeremiah to Judah, the other two, nations, or other two tribes, and he says, hey, listen, uh, you're at a crossroads. You still have a chance. You could still turn back to God. So here's the deal. Israel and Judah were messed up. They were worshiping the gods of the nations around them to the point that they were sacrificing their children to those gods. Obviously, God doesn't want people sacrificing their children, right? That's, that's not what he says to do. They were doing that, but then they were also worshiping God. See, they're kind of, you know, doing the whole fence thing. Kind of, 
doing the thing like the world does and doing the thing that God wants them to do. But he says it's empty. They're just, it's just ritualistic. It's just them playing a game. So Judah is in that situation, and God's trying to get their attention and to draw them back and say, hey, listen, you're at a crossroads. What are you going to do about it? You know, and for us, you know, we may not um, worship Baal, you know. Um, we may not worship Ishtar, some of these different gods. But the deal is, back then, everything in their, their life was centered around religion. Religion was it for them. And so, if you worship Baal, this false god, you lived a life based off of that worship. And, or if you worship Ishtar, you lived a life based off of that worship. Just like if you worship God, you were to live a life based off of that worship. Because here's the deal. Life is worship. And, and who we choose to put our attention on, who we choose to put above God, becomes the one that we worship and how we live life. So really, what happens in our lives today is we become the God of our life. We determine what's right and what's wrong for us. We make the choice. And really what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in the place of God. And when we do that, we make choices based on what we think, right? I mean, it's just logical. And so God is trying to get Israel to turn from their gods. God's trying to get us to turn from worshiping ourselves and what we think is right. So why is allowing our conscience to be a god or, or a guide or to follow our heart, why is it a, a dumb thing for smart people like you and me to do? Well, Jeremiah, God has him tell us this. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he'll be like a bush in the desert. Now, just try to get a mental picture of this. If you're a cartoon person, maybe envision um, um, Bugs Bunny, you know, when he travels underground and he goes out, he finds himself exiting the Sahara Desert. He's trying to get to L.A. You guys remember that cartoon? <laughs> okay. So the younger people there, like, what, what are you talking about? You're so old. I know, but it was funny. It was good stuff. Not these weird-looking anime thingies, whatever, with the big old eyes. and ugh, We had funny cartoons. Anyways, he's... So, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little off track. So, just kind of get a, get a picture in your mind. of Do you want to live there? Okay, so, for he'll be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes. In other words, won't see any good from it. But will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Doesn't sound good to me. I mean, I wouldn't want to necessarily live there. But then he says, Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree, now, get this picture in your head, be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when heat comes, when life gets crazy. But its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. The heart is deceitful, more deceitful than all else, and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to results of his deeds. 
God said, curse are those who follow their hearts. A person who trusts in mankind, trusts in man, trusts in the strength of man, is one who is following their heart, is trusting in man. Now we may think, so like Judah, they were trusting in the nations around them. They would set up alliances with other kingdoms in order to get the provision and protection that they were looking for because they weren't getting it of themselves. Why? Because they weren't doing life God's way. Had it done life God's way, they would have had the provision, they would have had the protection, they would have had God fighting for them rather than setting up alliances and doing life the way the other nations were doing it. And so he's saying, curse is the man who finds your trust in man. Well, when we make decisions for our lives, what are we doing? We're trusting in man. We're trusting in ourselves. And so he said, there's a curse that comes from that. There's, there's something built into making those kind of decisions. And why is that? Well, so following a heart brings distress and uncertainty. Here's the condition of our heart, according to verse 9. That computer freeze on you? There it is. Okay, so curse. So we talked about this. The curse is man. His heart turns away from the Lord. The IMAX back running. Yeah, verse nine. Got the next one. Nice. All right. So here's why following our hearts brings distress and uncertainty. This is this is what causes the problem. Our heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, what is he talking about there? Well, more deceitful, that word there means uh, fraudulent. Well, let me back up. The word heart, this word in Hebrew, means everything um, that we're about. It's, it's kind of the core of who we are. So it's our, it entails our emotions, our thinking, our conscience. And so it wraps it all up into one word, the heart. And he's saying our heart is deceitful. Our heart deceives us. Our heart is fraudulent. It's wicked. It's, it's uh, fraudulent. It's crooked. It's twisted. So left to ourselves, when we decide, hey, I'm going to go by what my heart says, what I think I should do, our heart is deceiving us. It's telling us, hey, you can do this. This is a good decision. Do it the way you think you should do it. Respond you know, to your spouse. Respond to your kids. Respond to your parents. Respond to your boss. Whatever the issue is, respond the way you think you should because this is going to be good. You know. You know really well how to do this. But our hearts are lying to us because they're deceitful. And then he says they're desperately sick. There's a, a prefix that's put on the front of this Hebrew word that means it, it intensifies it. So it's not just sick, it's desperately sick. By sick it means feeble, frail, incurable. In other words, our hearts are never going to become something that's going to speak to us truthfully. It's just never going to happen. Because we're still in these sinful bodies. I don't know if you've ever uh, experienced this. When I was uh, a little kid, when I would get the flu, I would get really high fevers. 
And so my fevers were always like 103, 104, 105. And so I was just kind of laying there, you know. Uh, my mom would put a cot in the kitchen so she can keep an eye on me while she was baking and watching the Cubs games. And so, you know, I'd just lay in there and she'd come over, you want some seven up? And like, I cannot stand seven up because that, that's the only time I ever had pop is when I was sick. And it was always seven up or Sprite. So, you know, you get a little psychological thing going there. Uh, so don't ever offer me seven up or Sprite because I'll probably vomit. But uh, so I'm laying there and my brothers loved it because I would start talking out of my head. I, I would just start saying stuff. So they would come home from school, you know, and then sit in the kitchen waiting for me to say something that's kind of, you know, weird. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I've visited people who are, who are sick, um, and, and sometimes it's really difficult, you know, if a person's um, dying or if they have an infection and it's kind of going through their system and it kind of goes up, up into their brain. And, you know, they'll be saying things, and a lot of times you have to encourage the family, hey, listen, they don't even really know what they're saying. Why? Because they're sick. Well, that's what our hearts are. We can't believe what our hearts are telling us. They're sick. They're incurable. They're going to deceive us every time. He says, who can understand it? We don't even, our hearts have us so deceived that we don't even understand how sick they are. That's how bad it is. We, we can't even understand how bad we are. Left to ourselves, you guys. We're, we're bad people. We think bad things. We, we'll do bad things. And if, if God doesn't step in, it's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And we see it around us all the time. He describes the curse as, as being, he'll be like a bush. Go ahead, go to the next one. He'll be a bush in the desert. We'll live in stony wastes in the wilderness. A land of salt without habitation. I don't know what that generates in your mind, but that doesn't generate a place I want to live. That's, that's not where I want to be with my emotions. All worked up, all distressed, all concerned. Never having, I mean, this is a place where your needs are never met. We may think they're being met, but they're really never being met. And emotionally, we're, we're just dry and, and we're frustrated and we're anxious and we're, and we're still making decisions. You know, we think we're making good decisions and there might even be some positive things, but inside, we're, it's just not happening. It's, it's not satisfying. It's causing us to be distressed, causing us to be uncertain. It's ongoing strain. It's ongoing need. You might be thinking, man, that, that's harsh. Why would God do that? Because it's serious business. It's our lives that are on the line. And God loves us too much to let us continue to go down a road that's going to hurt us. Now, He's not going to force us to move back. right? He's going to want us to do it willfully and voluntarily. But He's going to let us feel the, the pain of doing life our way. Because that's the best way for us to learn. And so, it is, it's, it's harsh, it is, it's rough. That's why he's saying, hey, come back. Israel, come back. Us, come back. So, then what God has Jeremiah do then is that he reminds them of the blessing that comes. So, following God's way brings growth and certainty. To who? 
to the one who will trust in the Lord and who tr- whose trust is the Lord. I just love the way he phrased that. Uh, it's, it's perfectly phrased. <laughs> God wrote it. It's perfectly phrased. Anyways. <laughs> it was funny. It was a good joke. Anyway, thank you. Appreciate the courtesy laughs. So, a person who trusts in the Lord, that's, that's a person who says, I, I believe that God's way of doing life is what I should do. It's, it's the processes. It's the decisions that we make. It's, it's trusting in the Lord. And then he says, the one who trusts the Lord. In other words, that's talking about a person who trusts who God is, his character, uh, his motives, who he is. They, trust, they don't just trust his processes, they trust him as a person, him as the God of their life. So a person who trusts in God is one who's going to have growth and certainty. I mean, look at this. So it's, it's, that person is like a tree planted by water that extends its roots by a stream. You know, it's, it's a picture of somebody who has constant nourishment that they're growing deeper and deeper. They're becoming stronger and stronger, not in themselves, but in God, in Christ, in what He wants to do. And, and they're getting strong. And they're having all the nourishment they need. It's a great place to be. So much so that there's, there's no fear when the heat comes, when the difficulties come into our lives, because we've been with God and we've been trusting in Him and we've been doing life His way. When difficulty comes, we're just like, hey, we got this because God's got this. And we're just, we're just there and hanging in there and God's got us. We'll not be anxious in a year of drought. Even if the situation that we're trying to um, make an impact in or to make a decision about or to, um, to represent Christ in, even if, even if it's not going the way we want it to go, even if it seems like it's a drought that's lasting and going on and on, a, di- a situation that keeps going on and on, it doesn't seem to be any end to it. It's not happening the way we want it to, to happen or be fixed the way we want it to be fixed. God's saying, listen, you trust in me, you trust me, and, and even if it's a long period of time, you're not going to be anxious. Why? Because you know God's got this. Because God says, you do life my way, I'm going to provide for you, I'm going to protect for you, to you, and I'm going to fight for you. And so you sit there and you work through that issue and you spend time with God as you learn to respond to that situation, even if it's a long time. Because there's not going to be any anxiety in that. Nor cease to yield fruit. Something's going to be produced that's good in your life, one way or another. Even if it's, you know, even if it's the fruit of patience, that's going to be produced. And that's awesome. That's powerful. That's that brings growth and certainty into our lives. You know, f- five verses. There's a lot in there, and I, and I didn't spend a whole lot of time dealing with specific issues. That's something that you need to do this week as you're thinking about these verses, as you're spending time with God, to say, okay, God, in my specific situation, how does that look? What do I need to do? But as the band comes up, lead us in this final song. Um, there's a question as a point of takeaway that we all need to answer. Because we all have areas in our lives, right? 
I mean, none of, us, none of us have everything figured out, right? All of us have issues in our lives that we're struggling, we're working through, dealing with, and sometimes our flesh gets in the way, and we want to do stuff our way, and we want to do things God's way, and we have this struggle, right? So, as you face the challenges of life, who will you follow? Are you going to follow your heart, or are you going to follow God's heart? Follow God. He gives us promise at the end, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. What's he saying there? If, if we want to do life our way, he's going to let us have the results of those decisions. And he's going to do it and continue to do it until we realize, oh man, I am, I am really messed up. Israel finally turned back to God and he actually brought them back into the nation for a while, into the land. And it's been hit and miss ever since, right? He's going to let us go down the path because he's he's, he loves us too much to force us, right? He's not going to force us into a relationship because that's abuse. God doesn't abuse people. He loves us. And so he's going to say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to let you have the experiences of you doing life your way. Or we can do life God's way. Doing life our way, distress, uncertainty. Doing life God's way, Growth and certainty. Not, we won't be anxious because we, got, we know God's got this. Because we're doing life God's way, he's, he's going to take care of it. But here's the deal. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. I can't make it for you. You guys can't make it for me. It's between you and the Lord and how you're going to handle this. So as we close out this morning, I'd just like to encourage you to consider that question, to make that decision and make that commitment today. Whose heart will you follow, yours or God's? Caleb? Okay.